Welcome to the Art and Life Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos. This podcast is an experiment in philosophical conversation, intended to inspire hope and inspiration in your creative pursuits. Follow along as I interview creatives from all backgrounds and walks of life. Listen while you work, listen while you create, listen while you dream up your next breakthrough idea. It's possible to make a life from your art, skill, or craft, whatever that looks like. Now, let's dive into this concept we call creativity. All right, my friends, welcome to the podcast. I'm Taylor Gallegos. This is Art and Life. This is part two of the season finale where I am being interviewed by the legendary one and only magnificent human, Ben Morse. Ben is uh, just a great, great person all around. He is a father. He's a uh, marathon runner. He works at the University of Michigan. He's got a podcast that he's developing called Techawat that will be coming out soon. I'll tell you guys about it when it's, uh, when it's live. It'll be live when I come back for season two. So make a note, you know, maybe February 1st, make a note to look for it on whatever podcast app you listen on. Yeah, and this one, well, in the first episode of this two-part series, Ben ran me through the whole gamut of questions that I always ask. This one is gonna be an open free-for-all. We're just taking all the rules off and going from there. So I'm excited. I hope you're excited. This is art and life at its prime right here. Talking the good stuff. Got a trash truck outside. So, uh, yeah, don't worry about it guys. Don't worry. This high dollar production here is, uh, is always perfect. As you know, you guys have listened there's never any background sounds or anything because I'm in a super state-of-the-art, high-tech uh, recording booth. Maybe, maybe not. That's down the line. <laughs> so anyway, without further ado, uh, me, Taylor Gallegos, on the Art and Life podcast with Ben Morse. Cheers. Welcome, everybody to the podcast, to the bonus Art and Life podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Gallegos, and with me today is the exemplary gentleman, Mr. Benjamin August Blair Morse. Ben, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you, Mr. Christopher Taylor Gallegos. I appreciate coming back here and uh, continuing part two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so... Uh, for those of you who don't know what's going on, which is probably everybody at this moment, um, we are—we just recorded the episode that uh, where Ben interviewed me. Um, ben podcasted me on my podcast, and uh, now we're just like we're just opening it up. This is not going to be the format of the other ones. This is just going to be a free flow conversation because, I mean, like I mentioned in the last one, Ben and I have been having free flow conversations about philosophy, art, life, social, economic world things for, for years, 15 years. And uh, 
Yeah, we're just going to keep going. And then Ben has a new podcast that's coming out. Um, this one's going to be, this one that we're doing right now is going to be released uh, at the beginning of January. And Ben, you've got a podcast that's coming out um, this month. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate that. I, um, you know, I have been so inspired by the work that, that you've done and really the episode 19 of the Art and Life podcast where you kind of swooped me in and showed me the ropes and we had a cool conversation, I think ignited uh, kind of the podcast fire within me. And I, I think that, you know, having conversations with folks and, you know, very genuinely connecting with people that you either know or maybe you don't know and in really authentic extemporaneous conversation is just such a such a fulfilling thing to do and you know on the back kind of on the heels of the conversation you and I had I decided to create a podcast so it's called Tetrawatt with Benjamin Morse and uh, Tetrawatt is uh, Tigrinyan which is a, a language spoken in northern Ethiopia uh, also uh, same word in Amharic which is the national language of, of Ethiopia and it means uh, play it means talk it's kind of this command that uh if you're if you're sitting down in a kind of social area with folks and you're not saying anything someone will look at you and just go that's your what and then you have to start talking because that's that's the culture it's so focused on those social interactions so i think that's that's a nice little kind of ethos of of the pod and you know i i've had a few conversations so far you know, recorded a couple awesome episodes with some folks and I'm excited to launch in January. Nice. What a cool, I like that. It's like a command, like get in the game. Get in the game is a perfect translation. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That's fun. Um, So what's, uh, so if I were to say, or ask you like, what's your intention with the podcast? What would your answer be? Yeah, I think that's a really fantastic question. You know, I've met so many really cool people in my life and and so many people that are just way cooler, way wiser, uh, just just way more badass than I am in general. And I think that this is an opportunity to share their stories. And, you know, I've taken a lens of travel uh, within the, the podcast. And I think that traveling, it breaks up the status quo. It kind of gets us out of our complacency and, and out of the the kind of uh, automatic decisions that we're uh, making every single day. And, and, you know, we, we lose track, I think of, of everything that's happening to us. And I think travel makes us realize that, that life doesn't happen to us. You know, we, we take control over that life and we actually have autonomy and and ownership and self-efficacy in the outcome of our life. And, you know, the, the general notion of, of the podcast is really to get people to think about how travel and, and getting out of your bubble has really influenced your life. And I, I try to take a bit of a, an oral history approach to a certain extent where I'm, I'm really just working to unpack folks stories and, you know, try to uncover uh, who your most authentic self is and, and how you got there and, and really try to talk about those lessons along the way and, and what are the, the resonant stories that stick out to you. And, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be one of those conversations that evolves over time. Uh, I, 
I want to be true to the form and, and recognize that like we're, we're all trying to evolve. So like, I'm not trying to get so focused on one specific frame for the podcast, just trying to make sure that, you know, I invite really amazing people on to have super cool conversations and just kind of unpack the, the mysteries and experiences of life. Hell yeah. That sounds like a recipe for success. It's like, <clears throat> I think it's really important to have a, a direction and a, a general plan, but then have loose freedom in the specifics and be like, okay, you know, have the evolutionary mindset, um, the growth mindset. And, um, you know, if you have your long, your long-term plan, if you're like, this is what I want to do, then as little roadblocks happen, you can go around and figure out how to go around them and, and not, get lost on the way um but you also like if you go in and you're like this is how we're gonna do it and it's gonna be this 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 like um i feel like life will throw like throw stones at your plan and like crack your windshield a little bit here and there and that's when that's when we learn life lessons that life cannot fit in uh like a in a box in the way that we sometimes want them to yeah. And I think that, you know, the ability to learn those lessons along the way is just so important. One of the things that I think about too, is this idea of like sunk cost fallacy and how I think there are so many pieces that are kind of the architects of our life that we're not aware of. Like we, we can build the building that we live in, right? You know, sometimes, you know, when you're, when you're going through life, you're just so content or complacent in the building that you're in and you just let other people build it and that's fine. And like that works for a lot of people. But I think that we, you know, thinking of sunk cost fallacies. So like really, you know, if, if something happens, like you can't change that. That's a sunk cost. That is something that is in the past and like you should learn from it for sure. Don't forget it but you can't make every decision moving forward based on the thing that just happened or the thing that has happened in the past. Right. So I think of the podcast as, you know, you start with a frame, you start with a goal and you try to, you know, weave together these conversations, but that doesn't mean that you're stuck to that format for the rest of the time. Like we're all going to evolve and, you know, don't feel like you've, you know, because you spent so many hours, you know, saying this is how every conversation is going to be that you have to stick to that format because that's not, innovative that's not iterative and ultimately those like that way of thinking in my opinion will just hold you back totally and the uh the willingness to evolve i think is really important um because things i don't know i guess i'm just having a visual of like ships and like if you know for a certain time you'll be on one ship that works really well but like that shit might rust or like get some holes in it and then it's going to start to sink. And so you have to be willing to get off and then get onto another ship and keep going. And you could jump from ship to ship and be fine. But if you go down with that one ship, because that's the like format that you're like, no, this is how it's got to be. It's this or else, then you're not willing to evolve. And then you'll just get like, you'll go down for no reason. And it, no like, one wants to drown. No, no, exactly. <laughs> you see that in business, you know, like, people like old mindsets or mindsets that aren't willing to shift are going to go down. Whereas like businesses that are like, okay, well what's happening now and what can we do and how can we retool 
to evolve with the times, like those are going to be the ones that, that keep on going and are successful. Yeah. And you know, in no way am I saying that you, you kind of have to change those values that accord to who you are or change your identity like that. That is what you bring with you, right? When you step onto that, that new ship, you have your, your core values, who you are, what you represent, how you present yourself to the world, who, like how you interact with other people, all of that is so core to your identity and you need to keep that close, right? You need to keep evolving that and questioning it and, and, you know, evolving your identity. And that's some inward work that I think we all need to do uh, every single day, but you can't, yeah, like you said, you can't just go down with every sinking ship, right? You gotta, you gotta move on. Yeah. And it's really cool. I, I really love the way that it seems like businesses are evolving. And these days, like, the main element of a business plan is not what you do and how you're going to do it for the people. The main element is what are your core values? Like who are the people that you're, that you want to serve? What is the, the value that you want to add to the, to the world? And then like what you do is the thing that you do, but like how you do it is really like the main element, how you like make people feel in your business interactions and things like that. Um, it's like, I feel like content, you know, what is it? Um, conscious business is uh, a really neat concept because it's like creating win-wins for everybody. It's like a win-win. It's not like, okay, the business is going to try to take this from the people and then leave them whatever, you know, just try to get out with their money. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's interesting because like social entrepreneurship or like conscious businesses, like, it's, it's fascinating to me that that is an emerging trend because it implies that most businesses that preceded that format are like unconscious businesses or like socially unjust uh, enterprises. And in many examples, they are, right? Like there's so much exploitation that happens and there's a lot of systemic issues uh, that are so deeply ingrained in our economic systems and so deeply ingrained in the way that people think about entrepreneurship or business. There's like, well, here's the 101 textbook. Here's how you're supposed to do that. But what they don't tell us is this model was based on being a white American cisgender like <laughs> male. And if if you fall, if you if you are that person, if you fall into that really privileged category, this this playbook actually might work for you, right? because you're going to be stepping on, you know, all of, all these stepping stones on the back of all these people that that don't have that access to that privilege, right? And it's it's always an interesting conversation to to start thinking through and you know, there's so many humans are so multifaceted, right? Like there's so many pieces of our identity that we're aware of, there are many of them that we're not, like that we have a lot of bias. And it's, it's interesting kind of navigating these spaces in, in the bodies and, and the identities that we are, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're in this like total free flow zone here. Um, what do you want to talk about? What, what's been on yeah. your mind? Yeah, I got a question for you. So, you know, this is also piggybacking on, you know, part one of this conversation a little bit earlier, but you know, as an artist, do you, where do you draw the line from when your art is yours and when it becomes something that takes on its own life, right? Like I, I've, I've thought a lot about 
how, you know, when a, a musician publishes a song, people are going to hear those lyrics differently, right? They're going to interpret it. They're going to apply it to their own life and it takes on new meaning, right? Similarly, when, you know, there's, you know, a mural that you, you paint, like you're going to have a vision, you're going to have your own relationship as the artist and then people are going to walk by it and they may have a completely different vision of that. And it, it's going to hit them in a different way. Like at what point does art just become something that now everyone else is kind of adding their overlay to and their own experiences to? I feel like when like it's never fully yours it's like i mean who the fuck are you <laughs> who like how can we really fully claim our own ideas can we like can we claim the energy that we have that's like running through us like um you know, i'm in this like new age spiritual hippie um sort of crowd here and it's it's cool it's like a lot of people you know ideas come through us like we're we're not it, it's not ours and the more that we claim it as a, like something as ours the more we're setting ourselves up for realization that it's not and like for when you know people don't like it or they attack it or they feel weird or they feel this or they, they claim it for themselves or whatever like um yeah, I feel like the less attachment to something we can have, like the better. And like, uh, and that's the the interesting duality of making art in that way and, and living life in that way is that it's at the same time you want to have like practice non-attachment to outcomes, to situations, to things, to people, to all these things and to artwork. And, um, and at the same time, give 100% of your energy your soul your thoughts your mind your like give your best give your all um so yeah i mean like it when was it yours when was it i'd be ours? curious what i'd is, be curious to hear your it? thoughts like yeah i'd be i'd be curious so like i think that there's i totally agree with you i mean i think there's like a lot of that that energy that that you need to like really keep front and center when you're thinking about these things when I think of the art world too, there are so many examples of, you know, folks that have put something out there and it, maybe it didn't land the way that they wanted it to, right? You have your aspirations for the way that someone is going to view your work, or maybe somebody takes it and manipulates it, right? So I think of uh, Shepard Ferry, who is just this amazing artist, right? And like everyone knows the Obama Hope poster, you know, but He's done obviously so many other things as well. Started Obey, the uh, kind of like skateboarding uh, origins, kind of the company and the design behind that. And he has this uh, this painting or this this piece like Andre the Giant, and it's like this this amazing amazing piece. And like another artist uh, took that exact piece and put a face mask over it, and then they're selling their own prints of it. So it's they took it, they adapted it. And like, there's, there's the copyright and the licensing and the IP. I mean, there were lawsuits and all, all these things. And it's always an interesting question for me as I think through like creative commons licensing and things like that, where, you know, you're taking this piece, but now you're adapting it to this new setting. And it, it's, it's interesting. I don't know what your thoughts are in general about folks that are kind of 
taking something and, and tweaking it and being cheeky or maybe they're maybe they're doing something else with it right but it's it's from my perspective too and i think of like when you're an artist and you put something out in the world well now it's out in the world like now it's like it really is from your perspective like it was never yours but now it's really not yours right like now everyone out there is is putting their own overlay yeah 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 i mean i love that shit <laughs> i love it and it's um i mean honestly who is shepherd fairy to claim any of his images because he's a screen printer and he's taking images like the andre the giant he didn't take that photo he got that photo from somewhere and then made his prints off of it and then he's screen printing them like and he's like printing them off and then doing wheat paste on the wall like and i love shepherd shepherd fairy i'm not talking any shit about him at all but like we are all like there's a concept that or there's a statement that goes steal like an artist and like we're all recycling imagery we're all borrowing imagery we're all sampling off of each other we're all just like um let's see who was it uh i forget who said this sir oh he was a scientist i forget who it was maybe newton i'm not sure it's a there's a, a there's a quote at colorado state that says um if i were able to see any further than others it's because i was standing on the shoulders of giants and that goes in the scientific community in the art world and the business world and everything like I mean, one thing like, okay, I'm painting, right? I'm all, I'm making paints all the time and I'm doing my thing. I'm making art that people love and all this shit. Yeah. The only reason I could do, do what I do is because of everything that has come before me. Van Gogh times like, like Renaissance artists were literally making their own paint. Like they were mixing their own pigments. They were doing all this stuff. I go to the store and I buy it. Like I'm, like we have, I have such a leg up on, on the creative process. Like, you know, the reason I've been able to make so many paintings in my life is because of like the ease and the flow of everything, you know? And so I, I, and, and like ideas evolve, that's human nature, that's creativity. That's like everything. Like, um, I mean, yeah, for, for Shepard Ferry to take someone to court for that is just kind of like, the pot calling calling the kettle black. You know, I I love like, I love. I mean, that's a that's such a great answer, and I think that like we're we like as there's a very big collective we in there. You know, we're all trying to make sense of this world, and I think that when there are there like art takes on this this really interesting like monetary value when it gets certain stamps of approval, right? So you think of like Sotheby's and like, like you get a piece in there and you're, you're talking tens, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars for a, a single piece, which is again, like socially constructed value on, on top of something that uh, may not have even been in, intended for the audience. So like Banksy obviously comes, comes top of mind. There's a new documentary that was just released Banksy and the rise of outlaw art. And I know that you and I have both seen that. And I think it, it raises some really interesting questions about like the the who who gets to define what art is and like who gets to assign value 
and subscribe value to that art, right? And like graffiti, because of its origins, has a certain connotation associated with it. Therefore, it's a, it's kind of uh, categorized as a, a a certain type of art. And many people, like still t- to this day, consider this like kind of criminal outlaw thing that uh, is you know associated with degenerates, right? versus like all of these amazing artists that have come out of that practice to then build and build and build. And that, that documentary for me, like was, was eye-opening in, in some ways and also extremely uh, frustrating in other ways, thinking about how we define you know, art and someone like Banksy who like has tried so hard to stay out of Sotheby's ends up in Sotheby's with you know girl with balloon and ends up shredding it in the middle of a an auction and it adds like 600% of the value on top of it the moment he does that and again it's that social construction of like well yeah this is now part of the art right and it's I'd I'd be really curious to hear your thoughts on that documentary or, or really any of those themes that resonated with you yeah I mean that great film everybody should watch it and I feel like these same things have been happening throughout time. Like this, this isn't a new concept, the rise of outlaw art. The art has, this has happened so many times. The impressionists were not let into the mainstream, like the high art category. They, the French impressionists had to like, they called it Les, uh, Les Salon or something. It was like they had to make their own gallery because they weren't let into the real gallery. We're talking about like Van Gogh, Monet, all of the huge French impressionists that we all know and love and think of as art, as high art. Well, they were the outlaw artists. And then it happened, it's happened again so many different times, like pop art and abstract expressionism. Every single movement is a rise of outlaw art. And then you can see it, I'm sure you can see it in writing, uh, and, uh, but you can definitely see it in music, like the blues how like uh, it basically came from like African-American people making music back in the day. And then it like, it, and then Elvis grabbed it, you know, and then like took things out of there. And then um, it's like, and then uh, hip hop is the exact same thing. Like it was this underground outlaw thing. Um, and now it's like everybody in the whole country gets down with hip hop music. And I think that what it really boils down to is that what art is always trying to do in every single facet is it's playing in this sweet spot of like between being new and original and like a, a, a new idea and then also being comfortable and so there's this like there's this zone that is acceptable and if it's too comfortable then it's boring and i mean you i think this happens in in all facets of life and like you know uh I could say you could have, like, I've heard about Esther Perel talk about it with relationships, you know, like if it's too comfortable and it's boring, if it's too funky and weird out there, like it's scary and art is the same way. So it's like, what you want is this sweet spot. And so art is always grabbing that what's like just outside of the realm of comfortable for the general public and then bringing it into the gallery and putting it in there. And so um you know this is what we're looking at now and in 30 years we're going to see some whole new situation that is doing the same thing in a new way how do you wrap your mind around like the idea of a gallery right you're you're a mirrorless but you've also 
I mean, you've, you've painted on like, like, I remember you just like call for trash, basically, like, let's paint anything on anything. You painted me Tupac, uh, Jimi Hendrix and Bob Marley on a carpet. You painted the world, like a, the globe on an old poker table of mine. You know, you, you, I mean, I remember like you paint on yes, doors, you were very you much on surfboards, you it. painted my snowboarding helmet. Like, <laughs> Well, and you were really fun with that because you were always like, hey, could you paint on a poker table? I'm like, sure, let's do it. Like you were always, it was like you had just as much fun as I did, like throwing shit into the mix and like seeing what came out of it. <laughs> I could not like when I'm watching that documentary with with Banksy, like I think I couldn't help myself from just thinking about you and the way that you like you you took these kind of like castaway physical like canvases and you created art on on the back of that and you know I think of the luscious nectar and like how your artwork was just hanging up in this this really funky bar and like it fit really well because it like you said it it, it felt edgy it wasn't like it wasn't too comfortable. It wasn't too complacent. It was portraits, but it was portraits in like very loud, like color, really like vibrant, like, you know, your, your painting, your style is like, it's, it's incredible. And then it's also really accurate. So people look at, look at Biggie and go, yeah, that's definitely Biggie. Like, I feel like he's staring at me, you know, and like, you've, you perfected that, like the portrait, like you're so, so good at that. But then on top of that, your your medium of like where you put the art is like you're just open to it and i i just couldn't help but think of like banksy when he he goes to the west bank and like he's he's doing these amazing pieces on this physical structure this wall and he's just up there and like you know i i you know the mirrorless thing is is also resonates really well there and it's it's interesting to think about like well who defines the gallery who defines art who defines the value that is like ascribed to that art Right. And it's, yeah, I mean, I love it. I mean, you're right there. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what is a gallery? You know, I mean, like you break it down, like a gallery is just a space where people can observe something, you know, put collections of things. And um, I feel like galleries are always being redefined and that's where um, curators of galleries really, like bring their artistic ability, like their art is putting a collection together and presenting it in a certain way. And it's really cool to hear, like I've been watching YouTube videos recently um, of just like, I'm doing this thing called the 5 a.m. club, uh, back to the Lewis Howes podcast. He had this guy named Robin Sharma on. He wrote this book called the 5 a.m. club. You basically wake up at 5 a.m. to start your day as an entrepreneur. And your first hour, you do 20 minutes of a workout, 20 minutes of meditation, and then 20 minutes of learning something. So you can read books or watch videos or whatever. I do this and I watch videos. And these videos I've been watching are just like from the Museum of Modern Art in New York and like all these like, um, I don't know, Sotheby's stuff. And just like, I want to know, like, I want to hear from all the perspectives in the art world and mm -hmm. hearing these like curators, these people who are putting together like this one guy put together this collection of 37 paintings and none of them were worth worth less than like a 1.5 million dollars and just hearing like the reasoning behind it and like what connected to what and what like art 
art is a reflection of the historical time and place and what's going on and like you know um so then when you take that into account with what the curator is putting together in the physical space that it's in in like the city it's in at the time period whatever like the the bigger context of society of what's going on it's like the gallery is like this like this like culmination point of the whole concept of the art in general and it's like a um it's like the squeezing it's like the nexus of um the energy of of all of it it's like the yeah the hurricane the eye of the storm you've mentioned lewis house a few times and like i like i really love ritual podcasts yeah i think of folks like that and like really really like prolific podcasters like they're you're a curator as a podcast host like you're you're making decisions on whose whose story fits with with your your scope you're kind of figuring out which voices and stories you want to elevate and also once once you have that and you're in a conversation like you're that guide you're that you're that curator you're that historian that is going to figure out what are those strings to pull in that conversation like especially if it's someone that's like a really public figure that like you can they're in documentaries they're in you know youtube interviews they're in like all these like exposés and all these things like how do you have a conversation with somebody like that 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 is unique that offers something new to to listeners like you just had bucky lasik on on the podcast and like that that to me is like such a a cool challenge as a host to to say well like what is out there about bucky like what do people know um how do you pronounce his name right like all these things and like so wrong. <laughs> did i yeah solid solid well i'm not interviewing him right now so what did i though <laughs> but it's it's those pieces of the puzzle that i think are really intriguing uh about the, the podcasting world i think it, it really you're that curator of both personality and expertise and you get to decide who has expertise and what and then once they're here you get to kind of you know unpack that expertise kind of just figure out where to go right like as it as it resonates with your body of listeners like it's that's a cool thing like it's a different way of having a a, a collection of art it's like yeah. a, a very ephemeral collection that is time stamped and, and published in an audio format it's very cool yeah totally and it seems like with podcasts and with art, like if you're being a curator, if you are focused on trying to please other people, you are going to lose because you are like your main intention is like, is trying to make people happy or trying to please or whatever. And if you're doing that, if that's your intention, you're setting yourself up for failure because there's going to be, whatever you do, especially if you're doing it really well, there's going to be half of the world that loves you and half of the world that hates you. Like, so what you have to do is really, so then like, so then what do you do? You try to please those people, you try to please these people or whatever. No, what you have to do is just get to your own intention and go after what you find interesting. And if you find it interesting, other people will too. And there's going to be a lot of people that don't find it interesting or they feel against it or whatever, but it doesn't matter because like 
you have like your backbone you know like you're i asked you what your intention is and like i think that that's a really important thing for all of us to be doing all the time i heard that um you know that oprah every single time she goes into a meeting she's like all right what's our intention here like what's what's our main thing and so um that just gets things right down to the nitty-gritty right away and then it, and then if you have an intention and that's a backbone that you can build the whole muscular structure off of but if you don't then you know who knows what's going where and you could be on a wild goose chase and not have any idea if your intention is to go on wild goose chases then great you go on a wild goose chase and you're succeeding but if you don't have an intention then like it, it everything could just like fall apart or go whatever way and yeah it's cool like you definitely you're a curator you're 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 the one asking questions and i mean a podcast is just a recording of like what you do in normal life like i just I, that's what this podcast is is like a recording of these conversations that are happening all the time and i was like this should be recorded these cool philosophical dives into the nature of reality or like through the lens of art are so cool to me, you know, maybe they are to other people too. And, uh, and so like with that, yeah, like I've, I've had to define myself and define like what the podcast is about. And, uh, it's, yeah, it's just turning into such a cool thing. <laughs> I kind of got lost in the end of that, but you know what I'm saying? No, it's, it's good. And I, I think of like, you know, like the, the listeners uh, to this, this conversation, even right now, like they're, they're like the real heroes in, in the story, right? Like they're the, they're the protagonists, like they're, they're the ones that are going to be able to take this conversation and they're going to leave, leave parts of it. They're going to, you know, take other parts of it. And I'm, I'm hearing you and your answers, like you're pulling out uh, little pieces of wisdom that, that you've experienced in maybe a podcast or, or something else that you've watched like that, you know, the 5am club, like those, those little pieces of, of wisdom that you're pulling out as you're learning. And now you're sharing with a broader audience and you're also editorializing them a little bit to give them the, the Taylor guy stamp. Like there's, yep. there's so much of that that happens that I think is so powerful and it's not, you know, you can't just buy a self-help book on Amazon and feel like you accomplished something, you know, you need to take that book. Obviously you need to read it. If you don't read it, then you're just throwing money at billionaires and that's just a silly thing to do. Uh, but if you, if you read the book, that's great. Now reread it. Now reread it 10 times and now take those little pieces of wisdom that stand out to you. You're not going to get everything from the book, but if you get just a few things that you actually operationalize within your life, you actually say, I'm going to change my life because of this principle or because of this story or because of this like piece of advice. And then you actually do that. You bring it into your life and you make some like substantive change. Like that's where you start becoming the more authentic version of yourself. That's where you start making progress and really leaning into who you are. Like, again, you can't, you can't just expect all these hacks or all these like life hacks, or you can't just watch a YouTube video and become like a way better person, like you actually, you have to like figure out how to internalize that. And at the end of the day, we also have like, we all have to have responsibility over those actions and over like having ownership and self-efficacy to say, Hey, like I'm actually making this change and here's how it's benefiting 
me and it's for myself. Like I'm doing this like internally to like really shape who I am and how I can, you know, leave, leave my best fingerprints on this world. Right. Yeah. And like when you're taking things from all these different sources, it's cool because those are the things that resonate with you on some level. And like you said, everything is a social construct. And I mean, taking it back to what you were saying earlier about traveling and how it gets you um, out of your own bubble, your world that you were born in, like the, the local community, the city, the state, the, you know, the country, all of those things, those are a social construct that has been set up by people who came before you. And they had intentions that were probably good, some of them were bad, whatever, and, and they have left you the world that you live in. And if you don't get out of your world, then you're never, like, you're just in that construct and you're living by those rules with those perspectives. And then when you travel somewhere else, you can see like, oh, wait, this is totally different. And, and you know, and then you try, I mean, and that works for traveling or reading books or listening to podcasts or whatever, looking at art. You see that like, oh, the world, the rules are different in different places. And that's where you can pick and choose the, thing, the rules that really hit you and say like, oh, okay, that, that resonates, that strikes a chord. And it's cool because... I mean, when you're, you know, a self-help book, like you can find things that you, you like, and then you can grow, like absorb them and then grow from them. And they come from outside of you, but the resonation, like the chords are inside of you that it hits. So it's like, they're, they're getting at these like essential elements of you that you didn't even know that you had necessarily, or like had the capabilities for, um, so it's neat, like the, the, the way that we live life is like, we, we are this like little ball of Play-Doh and then little by little we like make these impressions, we gain these impressions from outside and that helps sculpt us into um, the work of art that we end up being. Mm-hmm. That's, that's on brand right there. <laughs> Taylor G. Murals, folks, look them up. <laughs> Like that resonates like very, very deeply. I think that, you know, so, so many of us are, are really trying to make, make sense of like all of this information that, that is being like a, like if you haven't seen social dilemma, the documentary, like go out and watch it, you know, eh, tomorrow, whenever you have time. (laughs) Uh, Cause it'll take a hot minute to get, to get your mindset into it. No, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that like, you feel like a puppet and you feel like there are all these strings being pulled and you don't have control over your behaviors. And it's one of the most, like it strips you of any sort of like fever dream of control. Like you don't have control if you're in the social media world at all. Uh, You think you do. And they, they built, they built these systems, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, like Snapchat, whatever it is, Gmail, like YouTube, they built these things to condition you to respond in certain ways. Like it's, it's the same psychology that, that is being applied to behavior change in so many different domains. And I say that because I think it's important for us to recognize the architecture that we live in, recognize the, the like inherent, uh, 
paths that are in front of us that if if we don't take ownership if we don't like step back and say uh actually like this isn't okay then we're just going to be that that blind mouse in the experiment that's just asking for more and more and more without knowing that we're even asking for more and i think that like you know i've had many experiences when i travel and i get out of i get out of that status quo even if it's for a week or even a weekend or you go camping or something it doesn't have to be like hey let's go to this big trip across the world and get on an airplane like let's go and like pitch a tent and go hang out in nature for a couple days and then you start realizing like how many times you're reaching for your phone and you don't even have service but you're still like pulling it out trying to like pull the slot machine to see if you have a new email and it's like <laughs> like why am i pro like at one point did i become like this robot and why am i programmed in this way and i i say that just to like kind of reinforce the idea of of kind of breaking up that status quo in any way that you can so you're opening your eyes to the things that you're you know you may be blind to yep yep like the, uh, I mean, the mouse, like you're the mouse and there's this like cage around you that is interactive and fun. And we forget that like it's a cage and we don't actually need to be in it. And the mice love to run free in the world. And it's a whole different feeling and experience of life. All right. So 2020 has been a fucking year. You can say that again. <laughs> Or like 20, uh, here, I'll say it a different way. 2020 has been a decade. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And uh, so 2021 is around the corner. We know some things are going to change. Uh, some things won't change. What, what are your resolutions? What are your, what are your hopes for 2021? Like where's, where's Mr. Taylor guy goes hanging his hat? Hmm, man, that's a good question. I want to kick it back to you first. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, like I, I have the opportunity and privilege of like very dramatic change in my life that that I think offers new opportunities. So, uh, my wife Mary got into med school. Um, she's been remote since September, but we're actually moving our two young boys uh, and our our whole family down to the island of Saint Martin in uh, two weeks from today on a plane so i think there's a natural kind of shift when you when you get out so this is like so core to the the travel theme of the podcast but i think that you know for me it's it's getting into a new geographical location to then like really open my eyes and just be aware of the the behaviors and the habits and a lot of the kind of like autonomous behaviors that are, are happening in my life, like just try to identify them in the beginning. And I think it's more of an information gathering process for me in the beginning, just to kind of, you know, take the temperature and see where we're at. Because 2020, again, has been just such a, a dumpster fire in so many ways. And I think there's a lot of people that want to just put certain parts behind them, but may not be aware i know i'm certainly not aware of a lot of the behaviors that i i picked up during quarantine and during you know the the past you know 12 months of of our existence on this this planet and i think that like observation is is key so to be a little bit more concrete like you know planning on getting back into a, a very specific running and exercise routine so i've 
you know, ran, ran a few ultra marathons and, and other races. And I think that at the core of that is the practice of running. And it's, you know, when I, when I get into a regular cadence of that, it becomes a domino effect into a very positive domino effect into other parts of my life. So I sleep better. I eat better. I drink less. I, uh, I'm more present. I have time to like really work through all of my thoughts when I'm running and it, you know, when I'm done with a run, I'm ready to just be there and be in the moment. Right. And I'm not lost on my phone. I'm not doing all these things that like, you may not be aware that you're doing. Right. So for me, it's an act, almost an act of rebellion to just kind of go against all of those things that I always do. It's like, fuck that. I'm going to rebel for a hot minute. I'm going to go run. I'm going to hit the reset button. I'm going to come back and get my shit straight. And like, so for me, that's where it starts. I don't know where it starts for other people, but I think that it's less of like, I'm going to commit to this one specific behavior and more of like, I'm going to take, I'm going to audit my life for a second and just kind of see, see where we're at. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Ultra marathons. You're running like a hundred miles at a time. I did that once. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> That's awesome. You're a beast. Yeah. And, and I think that what you, what you don't see when you hear that number is the like thousands of miles that, well, I think it was about 1800 miles of training that goes into that hundred mile race over the course of, you know, six to eight months, right? It's, it's the training, it's the practice, it's the commitment. And it's all of those, all of that, like the routine that I just talked through, like those building blocks made me into the kind of person that could run for, you know, 28 hours and uh, what was it? 28 hours and 56 minutes, I believe. Oh my cut God. off was cut off was 30 hours. You know, we made it, but you know, it's, again, it's that practice, right? It's like everyone, you know, you don't have to run a hundred miles to take on a challenge. You don't have to do these like ridiculous things that kind of are nonsensical. <laughs> You, know, you can pick, like pick your own challenge and like break it down into these like evolutionary steps and, and try to figure out what that path is for you. Right. Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your 2021 <clears throat> playbook? Well, what came to mind while you were talking, the thing that just hit me, uh, was double down, double down on everything I got going. I feel like in the last, six months things have really come together working i mentioned my uh, online business manager lara and then um my agent jen and uh yeah things are just starting to really flow beautifully and i'm i feel like i'm really hitting a good stride um Haley, my fiance and i are really getting things kind of settled in with our dog which has been a real challenge we got her right when covid locked everything down and um, so we've got a COVID puppy with like challenges that come along with that. And she's real fearful, but like we've really gotten into a good stride with stuff. So it was like, things are kind of settling in and, uh, I'm surfing all the time these days. Like every morning at my buddy, Brad Perkett, who I'm going to have on the podcast soon. Um, he and I are going out at sunrise at like four or five times a week and, it's just such an amazing way for me to start my day, like getting into flow state right off the bat, you know, and then like taking that flow into whether I'm painting or like doing 
business administrative stuff on my computer, whatever. It's like, take that into, into my day and then like take it into playing with Nova and um, into the podcast and everything. Just like, just flow, you know, like keep on Like what I've got going is, is really good right now. It feels great. And um, just keep fucking going. This, uh, the 5am club thing feels great. I don't know if I'm going to, I'm going to do it for 90 days. And uh, I don't know if I'll keep going after that, but it's just like, like sharpening sharpening the knife of of what's going on you know like it's really like focusing the laser beam year after year and i and now it's really starting to go i mean for i feel really really blessed that uh 2020 has been crazy in a lot of ways and i've also been lucky enough to figure out ways to survive it and and thrive in it too so It'll be great when things open up again and uh, when when the world comes back to some sort of relative normal like we all want. But yeah, who knows? I mean, it, doubling down, you're you're betting on yourself, which is mm-hmm. uh, we, we brought that up in the last the, the part one uh, of, of this conversation and like always bet on yourself. And I, I like that. I, I like that you just highlighted a bunch of like really positive and, and awesome things that you've got going. And like, how do you, how do you keep that momentum? And, and, you know, how do you take those opportunities that were afforded to you during this, this, this last year and, and build on that in a different context? And it's funny cause it's, you know, the, the zero just turns to a one and that's literally all that happens when we right. get a new year, but it's this like psychological, opportunity for us to say well it's a new calendar year i'm gonna do x y and z right and i there are like some crazy stats out there that that everyone's like new year's resolutions last for like two weeks and everyone gives it up and then like february is just back to whatever grind or you know habit that you had before and i like i like that you just mentioned that you're doing the 5 a.m club for 90 days because there's a lot of research that suggests if you're going to change a behavior you need to do it for at least 90 days like there is that three month hurdle is, uh, is, is a high one to clear. But once, once you've gone through that, then I think there's so many other doors that open on the back end of that. Totally. Cause like one week, I mean, doing something once is a challenge. Doing something for a week is like, uh, is a bigger challenge. I mean, I'm, I'm actually on day four. Today was day four of the 90 days. Day one, I was pumped, woke up great. Day two, okay, sweet. Day three, I was a little bit, my energy's dropping a little bit. This morning, I didn't want to get out of bed when the alarm went off, but I did. Tomorrow, who knows how I'll feel. But, and so like that, like a week is a, is a chunk. And then like 30 days, that's solid. But then if you drop off of that, it's like you're already going back to your old habits. It's like, cause you push so hard for that little time and then you come back. Um, but like 90 days is long enough to like really imprint and make a pattern in your life where it's almost like, that's just what you do. And I feel like uh, I'm going to throw out some advice here to the human beings out there listening that one thing that has been, has helped me with success in um, an exercise routine has been the art of subtlety. And Haley talk shit about this all the time she says i'm um <laughs> she wants me to push harder 
and like push you know like work out harder Dig deeper yeah exactly that's like because she's a sprinter she was in track and she was a sprinter i'm more of a marathon type dude and so you know like a long distance runner but and i for there was a chunk of time in like my late 20s early 30s where i wasn't working out as like i just like i wasn't working out as much and then like getting back into it it was like these little bits like i, I was like I don't know, like routines, like where you do 15 minutes a day, you know, just do something, just go walk, like simple, like start simple. Don't put too much on too much weight on your shoulders or else you're just going to fold. Like you have, it has to be like, I guess I, I wonder how you feel about this, like with running marathons, ultra marathons, I'm assuming. Okay. So I climbed a 14 er with my buddies this summer and I'm, I live at sea level here. And so then to go there, fly into Colorado and then go and like hike this 14er, we started from like 6,000 feet or something, but still that was a good chunk. But my buddy was going faster than me and I was going like trying to keep up with him at one point. And then I started getting lightheaded and I was like, that's not going to work. So I found this like sweet spot where if I went just slow enough, so I didn't get lightheaded but fast enough so I didn't, like I wasn't stopping, then I could keep going. And I, I like made it to the top by doing that. And it's like, you wanna make things like easy enough where you can do them and then keep going and not over overwhelm yourself. But like, you, you wanna like push that, like that's the edge right there. I mean, do you, do you have that? What's your experience with long distance running? Yeah, I, I, I love that story because I think it, it resonates really well. Like I, you know, when you think of uh, uh, like a, a really monumental, so take a hundred mile ultramarathon, for example, like you're not, you have to build to this thing and you have to do it in very intentional, like small achievable steps, right? You have to be really thoughtful on building that base uh, we call it zone zone two training. So there's a specific heart rate zone and it's, it's not the same for everybody. Like you just, you have to, you know, it's, it's calculated different based on your, your BMI and, and these other things. But once you've identified where that, that zone two is for you, that's where you train. So this is like, they always say you should be able to have a conversation while you're running. If mm. you're, if you're too out of breath to hold a conversation, you're running too fast which I think for a lot of people, it's really hard to stick in that zone too. Cause you want to just crank it. You want to like, you feel like you want to get your heartbeat and you want to sweat. You're going too fast. Right. And, and it's, it's not just for ultra marathon distances for like marathon or half marathon, even like 10 K depending on like your, even like 5 K depending on your fitness. It's like that, that zone two training is like you're investing in your future self, right? Like this is, a way for you to start putting in some investments and getting some dividends down the road. And it's, you know, maybe your, your mile time is 20 minutes when you're in zone two. If you're really strict, you're monitoring your heart rate, you get a 20 minute mile time. Like you're walking at that pace, right? But if you do that for long enough, all of a sudden your zone two stays the same. Your heart rate stays the same, but your mile time starts going to 19 minutes and then 18 minutes. And then, and you start working that down. And as you like make those investments over a longer period of time, you're really patient with yourself. You're hydrating, you're eating well, you're recovering, you're stretching, you're strengthening your muscles, you're investing in your yourself. 
then that that mile time drops down to where all of a sudden you're able to stay in zone two at a 12 minute mile. Now, if you stay in zone two for a 12 minute mile and you're running like a hundred mile race, you're going to make every single cut that, that is out there for a hundred mile race. Like usually these are like 30 hour cuts or 20, 24 hour cuts. And if, if you stay at that pace, like it sounds really slow, like a 12 minute mile sounds slow probably to you and I who are soccer players and sprinters and definitely Haley, who's a sprinter is going to look at a 12 minute mile pace and be like, that's laughable. <laughs> I could run, I could run two miles in 12 minutes. Like that's silly. But when you're, you're thinking of that long-term goal of like trying to complete a hundred mile race, like that, that 12 minute mile is really fast. Like you're, you're coming in, right? So it's, it's trying to be patient enough with yourself in the beginning. I think this is like consistent with, with other behavior changes too. Like give yourself some grace. Don't feel like you have to go out there and sprint in the beginning. Like find out what that achievable step is that you can kind of simplify into, into something that is, is achievable for you. If you make, if you set your goal too difficult, or if you're like, I'm going to do this crazy thing and you sign up for this, like, race that's like way out of out of range for you then you're just going to fail right away and then you're not only are you not going to be able to get burned out right you're going to get burned exactly and not only are you not going to be able to run that marathon that you signed up for you can't even run a 5k because you just set the bar way too high right so just like feel it out for yourself and tailor your goals to something that you know is achievable and use those as building blocks to get to that thing that's bigger right yep Yep. Consistency over time will achieve results. Like there's no way for it to not. That's that's good. Um, All right, Ben. Now I want to, uh, we're going to start to wrap this up, but I do want to ask you a question because I don't know if I was doing the questions thing at the end when, uh, when I interviewed you. A few questions. Yeah. But I don't know if they aligned. One all right. One with well, I want to ask you, um, all right, you walk into a room and uh, there's a little blonde kid sitting there. He's like 10 years old and he turns around and he's you when you were 10 years old. What do you say? What advice do you give to little Ben? Love it. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've thought about this, this question since uh, I mean, I think you may have asked me this question, but actually it's funny because I don't really remember because that was May and there were a lot of things happening in May and that was like years ago. So probably going to have a different answer now. You know, I think that, uh, and, and also I'm just going to give the caveat that like I have a, a three and a half year old and a two year old and I like see myself in them like all the time, obviously in so many ways. And like, the advice that I would give my previous, like my younger self is actually the advice that I'm like using as a parent to give my kids. Right. And I, I think it's explore, it's go out and get those experiences and, you know, validate those lived experiences because, you know, you're, you're building a life resume. You're not, you're not, you're not out there trying to just check, you know, tick off all of these different pieces. And like, you don't, you don't need to, play the violin because that's the thing that will get you into the school that you want to get into or whatever that is for you. Like you don't need to make the top soccer team or whatever it is. It's having those experiences and just being present in those moments and trying to pull out those lessons as you go along. Soak it all up, right? Like be in that moment. And the other thing I would say is 
you know, try and be okay to redefine failure. And I would say redefine success, right? So like success is something that is usually defined for us. There are metrics that people say, you have to do this to do this. And I think that's a really fraught frame. And as much as possible, you know, try to redefine that success and recognize that like, you know, just because you're colorblind and you painted the, the oceans purple and the sky purple doesn't mean you're a bad artist. Like look at success differently and success isn't always what society tells you is successful. Dude, that's really great. I like that a lot. Um, if you're to ask me one question for the end of this episode, what would, what would it be? Nice. That was, that was like a, a nice question to a question there. Yeah, that, that one. <laughs> no, I, I actually really appreciate that. Um, going into year two of your podcast, what are, what are your hopes and dreams and goals for, for 2021 art and life podcast? Ben. Dude, way to throw me a softball that I'm just like salivating at to knock out. This was this was not a planted question, by the way. No, this, this is extemporaneous. Is... This is where we're at. Dude, Ben, great job. You're the best co-host I've ever had. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, okay, so we, I have a five-year vision with this podcast and year one and two is, um, really just like work out all work the flow out work out the kinks work like try some different things like the question like the format you know mess with the format again like have the overall vision but like tweak it as i go along get comfortable um one thing that i really want to dial in is the i guess you could call it like the user experience for the people being interviewed i want every single interaction with them from uh like right now i use a calendly link to give people to to sign up i want to dial in um the welcome message and like what they're in for like make sure that they have all their questions are answered that it's very comfortable that um and then yeah like dial in the uh the technical element of it i'm you know i'm just kind of doing this from my computer and and really like figuring things out i've made so much progress in one year and with you know the the intention to grow more um i'm just excited to see where that goes and then as i go along i want to get i want to reach out to like big names in the in the space in in the world of like uh art and entrepreneurs and creatives and, and non-creatives but everybody's creative like traditionally thought of non-creatives um and uh yeah i guess one thing that i feel is that as i go along i feel like my energy in the podcast is just getting more and more like uh dialed in and so that's that's the big thing is just like carry keep that going keep that growing and i know that like as my energy gets like more um yeah centered and focused then it's gonna help bring that out in the guests even more and it's gonna hit harder and feel stronger and um you know be a better experience for for the listeners 
It's great. That's, it's a fantastic roadmap. And, uh, you know, feel really proud. You've got 50 episodes plus under your belt. And, and that's just, you know, really fantastic. And as somebody that is, is sitting here uh, across the virtual table from you, um, that's starting his own podcast, uh, kind of on the heels of the experiences I've had here on, on your podcast, like uh, everything you just said resonates really well. And, and I think that, you know, above, above all, you know, reconnecting with people and just having really meaningful conversations that, that, you know, putting it out there, putting this art form out there for people to consume and to think about and to apply. And hopefully uh, ever anyone listening has, you know, pulled out one or two things from these two conversations we just did that are going to influence their life and they're going to take it, they're going to operationalize it and, and make it a part of who they are. So hopefully we can, you know, continue to, to influence folks that are listening uh, and, and kind of resonate that, that wisdom and positivity uh, through this medium. Oh yeah. Cheers to that. <laughs> and, and I will say as well, I am looking forward to having you on the Tetuat uh, with Benjamin Morse podcast in January. We'll set that up soon. Cause I, I definitely want to, talk through uh, a lot of these, these same, same themes, but unpack a few of the, uh, the, the areas that we have not explored yet together. So looking Hell forward yeah. to having you on as a guest. Oh yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Definitely. Um, yeah. And I'm thinking that everybody here who's listening, uh, just know that this guy, Ben Morris, who's across the virtual table, as we've said, he is a mover and a shaker ever since I met him. He's got, He's got just like a clear vision for uh, moving forward towards the goal. Like, you know, I, I coached you in soccer, Ben, and then uh, and at multiple at CSU and then for the semi-pro soccer team, the uh, cutthroats indoor soccer. And, uh, and then we played together like in all sorts of forms and shapes. And you've always just been uh, just a go-to, you know, like a, a, a like, like a, a very solid persona, like a, a rock that I knew that I could um, lean on for any sort of like thoughts or advice or, you know, when I needed something to happen on the soccer field, Ben, go see if you can do that. And you would be like, all right, coach, here you go. <laughs> Let's do it. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, and now you've taken that same drive into, um, well, you were in the Peace Corps in Ethiopia and you you did great stuff there and you're always like, you're raising awareness about what's going on in Ethiopia right now. And um, yeah, if anyone out there has any questions about that, definitely reach out to Ben um, because there's some fucked up shit going on in the world right now. Um, but, you know, and then you've taken that same drive into like being a great husband and being a great father. And, uh, and, 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 you know, you reflect that back to uh, that energy back to your mom and your dad and your sister. You're like, Ben, you're fucking awesome. You're, you're, you're a great human. I love you, man. And um, yeah, everybody should follow along with Ben because he's going to do amazing things in this life. I know it. And uh, you better jump on board now. And uh, so you can say that you knew him before, you know, before it goes huge. <laughs> I, I appreciate it, man. And echo those sentiments, copy and paste, double click uh, back, back to you. And, and again, this has been, so much fun to just kind of chat through the the thoughts, kind of talk talk through the philosophy, and 
and really kind of dive a little bit deeper into you know you as an artist i think that interviewing you was just so much fun and again getting to know kind of peel back those layers of, of who you are what makes you tick has been inspirational for me and i hope that people listening in are, are also finding that inspiration yeah definitely all right uh ben you got one last bit of wisdom for the people take a deep breath 2020 is almost over <laughs> time to hear this it will be so set your sights on whatever's next for you embrace the unknown and lean into it love it love it i got one piece of wisdom too you ready for this Hear what you got it's not about you We all think it's about us, uh, you know, like we're all, we're, we're, our perception from our understanding of the world as we're growing up, as we're going through life, it's like, we're so focused on our, our life. Cause that's what we've got. That's we're looking at our own eyeballs, but if we can see that it's not about us, the world's so much bigger, you know, like it, it helps, it helps release stress. It helps release any like, tension about some sort of outcome this or that like it's not about you <laughs> once you once we get our, over ourselves then uh we can we can just relax a little bit and then just like move forward from there and things things go smoother and easier bet on yourself and bet on yourself every <laughs> time <laughs> unless you don't think you can do it <laughs> But do it. Go for it. <laughs> and then figure out how to do it. And you got figure it. out how to do it. Yeah, that's right. Go for it. <laughs> All right, Baron. This has been awesome. And uh, yeah, man. Look forward to uh, 2021. We'll be reconnecting then. All right, man. Peace. Love. Talk soon. All of it. So that, my friends, was part two of the season finale where i was the guest hosted by ben morse what a freaking champion how about all that how about all of that philosophical conversation about art and life and everything wrapped up this was this is everything i was hoping it would be it was really uh it was really fun to do um because I'm normally the one asking the questions. So I got to be honest, it's fun answering those questions. It really was. And uh, to be able to like dive into that with a person who is so worldly and has uh, spent so much time just, I guess, thinking about things from a different perspective, you know? Yeah, that was great. Ben's the man. I can't wait for his podcast to come out. It is called Techawat, T E C H. A-W-A-T and it'll be coming out in a couple weeks now and yeah I'm sure it's going to be absolutely fantastic that guy puts together good things speaking of good things uh, I'm pretty stoked on how this this whole season went this is 52 episodes of an experiment in the format of podcasting and uh yeah, there's been so much growth, 
so much change. I feel like that's a natural thing when you when you have a, a growth mindset and you're open to change. I mean, that's one thing that I feel like I learned in art school. It was very valuable is uh, the understanding that things aren't perfect. You know, they can always be improved. Everything is uh, is open to critique. And the only way to not improve is to not be open to critique. So yeah, this whole podcast is an experiment going along. And I hope that you're getting as much inspiration out of it as I am. I'm definitely growing and learning and uh, picking up tons of little nuggets of wisdom from all these amazing guests. So thank you for being here for this season and if you're just joining there's a lot more to come next season um yeah i'm excited about that one i'm not gonna tell you what's in store but uh yeah there's gonna be really cool stuff going on so i guess with that take that into year 2021 and run with it don't make a resolution about it new year's resolutions are garbage do you agree do you disagree i don't know who who has ever had successful new year's resolutions what percentage of resolutions are actually successful i feel like it's better to i don't know approach it differently than an actual resolution that starts on january 1 but that's just my opinion anywho thanks again thanks again for being here um very much love to all of you out there. Cheers.